so changeable and such a lovable end to me. My cat, my coat, leave all the handle. There's nowhere to go. Um, okay, so I suppose that we should get right into the interview. Um, so I just have 21 questions to ask you. Usually it's 31, but since we have 30 minutes, I decided to condense it a bit. <laughs> Lightning round. <laughs> yes, like fi- rapid fire questions, basically. Um, so first question, uh, how did you find yourself in this ubiquitous world of freelance journalism? Um, I got fired <laughs> is the is the three word answer to that question. That's amazing. Um, That's an amazing way to start. Yeah, and I also got lucky. So so shortly after I was fired, um, an editor that I knew who had recently taken a job at The Cut said, hey, we're looking for columnists, and maybe you could try out a weekly columnist slot with us, which um, I now realize that is like a holy grail type position, like a reliable weekly column is like what makes my freelance life work. Oh, for sure. Um, and so once I, once I, and I was like, sure, I guess I'll try it. I, I had sort of thought I was just... Um, doing this while I looked for another day job. Um, but after that, it sort of became more possible to freelance. And so um, I think it took me a full year to fully say, I'm a freelance writer. That's what I do. <laughs> but um, I've really I've really been doing it since the summer of 2012. Nice. Is there a sort of like a club of freelance journalists where like everybody sort of knows everybody and you know, that's just sort of how it works, like this club where the rest of the world, you know, can't penetrate it unless they have those credentials. <laughs> I don't know. I think that there's maybe a little bit of that. Like the editor who first brought me onto the cut, I met her socially because she was dating another journalist who I knew from when I lived in D.C. Like, you know, that is a pretty insidery connection for sure. Um but that said, for me, sometimes I'm not sure it's like freelance journalists have a network. Like lots of times when I'm, if I say no to an assignment and I try to think of another freelancer to recommend, which I always try to do, sometimes it's hard for me. I'm like, oh, wait, is she on staff somewhere now? Or like, is that person really a freelancer? Like, it, it's not like if there is like a listserv or something, I'm not on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. That's crazy. So you you said that you were fired from that job. So can you tell us a bit more about the journey of being, because I read up on you a little bit, like, you know, you tend to do when you're doing interviews with people. Um, And um, you were the executive editor of Good Magazine, correct? That's right. Yeah. So tell us how that was like from the, because I mean, you kind of started at the end. So tell us how it was from the beginning till the bitter end, basically. (laughs) Well, I wasn't there that long. It was like a year and a half, all told. Um, so yeah, so I have, they brought, they brought me on because it was a magazine at the time that was kind of known as a brand, um, about like, you know, kind of doing good or like living ethically or whatever, but they, they didn't really have a reputation for producing a lot of like journalism. They had a great reputation for doing infographics and for like being this brand, but not like reporting and like commentary and more substantive stuff. So they hired me to hire a staff of people who were going to produce reporting and features and columns and all the things that we associate with magazines. Um, 
But, like, in practice, they didn't really want me to do what they hired me to do, I think is, like, what I can say in retrospect. Um, So it was tough. I mean, in some ways, it was great. I worked with an incredible team of people, some of whom were there when I was hired and I continued to work with, and some of whom I hired from other places. Um, That now dispersed team, I should say we were all fired together, which is like was merciful on their part, because it would have been really hard if we'd all been going through this alone. Um, But those former colleagues are all doing incredible things. I mean, Amanda Hess works for Slate and is a columnist at the New York Times Magazine and has won a National Magazine Award. And Core Jefferson is a writer on The Nightly Show. And yeah, um, I actually, I was listening to, you know, to... Tim Fernholz is an editor at, at Quartz, you know, like everyone has just gone on to do such cool things. And in fact, one of the editors I worked with at Good is now, this is so full circle, is now my editor at The Cut. Shout out to Megan Greenwell, who's a fantastic editor. So it's really, it's really great to watch the ways that those people I worked with for that year, which was challenging, but also really rewarding, um, the ways that those people have stayed in my professional life. Yeah, that that's really amazing. I, I've I've heard of Cord Jefferson before. I think I was listening to Rumbert explains, and I think he had him as a guest on his podcast. So that sounds right. Yeah, mm, right. So that's how that's how that name rings a bell for me. That that really is full circle, and that's amazing. I mean, clearly you have to get get through it to get to it. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. So this next question is a little bit um more off kilter, but. Who is your favorite rapper and why? And the reason I ask this is because for a lot of people, their favorite rappers say a lot about me. Like, for instance, I would say that Kanye West is arguably one of my favorite rappers. And that says a little bit about me. So I'd like to ask the same question to you. Um, this is a hard question to answer. Different rappers for different moments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like how I feel about all like music or movies or whatever. I'm like, well, well, my favorite rapper for what mood or for like what like day or yeah. what anyway. But I, I have to say that like there is something about like Nicki Minaj that gives me this jolt of like, I don't know, self-esteem is the wrong word, but I just like energy. Like I just feel this incredible energy when I listen to her rap and like the things that she does, the range of her voice, um, is just, I don't know, I'm in awe. And I, I mean, look, like, I love Kanye. I love, like, lots of other rappers, too. But that's the one. That's, like, that was the first to leap to my mind. Is just, like, uh, a good Nicki verse will just make your afternoon. What do you think is your favorite Nicki verse? I mean, she has a lot of gems. But what would you think uh, your your absolute, like, pinnacle of favorite Nicki verses would be? I don't know. I mean, you know, there it, the and this is going to be just like the such an obvious answer given everything we've just talked about. But like, <laughs> you know, like Monster having like Nikki in the middle of that right. <laughs> is just like you know in the middle of like an incredible song. I think that we could have a very long conversation about the video that is like probably not going to be suitable for your rapid fire series of questions. <laughs> but um but it's just like it's iconic. Like again, I don't know if it's like number one favorite, but it's like it's just such an easy example of like the things that I love about her voice. Like that whole range is showcased in that verse. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um she's she's incredible. Like it's it's like you said, like it's almost impossible to talk about her in a rapid fire series. I know <laughs> the way she plays with persona is so advanced. Like I just, I think that she, there are a lot of artists who get credit for being performative, like, you know, like a lady Gaga or even like, I feel like Beyonce gets more credit than, than Nikki does for being 
this kind of incredible shapeshifter in the way she chooses to portray herself and yet remains completely in control. So I don't know, like all, all around, but like, yes, also as a rapper. Absolutely. That's amazing. Okay. Um, so moving right along, your, your pie charts were actually something that assured me that you had a sense of humor that personally put me <laughs> at, at ease because different people have different types of senses of humor and some of them are quite alarming and some of them are like, oh my God, like if she lived like a block away from me, maybe we could be friends. Um, right. So what made you come up with those? I'm really curious. Um, the first one I made was in 2010. I was like, uh, it was during the holiday season and I was drinking at my desk at work. Like I think waiting for the office holiday party or yes. something like that. I was not, it was not like a random Tuesday. It was like, <laughs> um, and, and I don't remember why I made it. I was like just joking around with a coworker and I was like doodling and she goes, you know, that's really funny. You should submit it to the hairpin. And the hairpin was relatively new at the time. And I was like, yeah, they publish weird things like this and I sent it to them and they published it um and then I made maybe one or two more in that phase and then didn't make any more for quite a while um and then after I was fired which was in 2012 I was like you know that was fun I should bring that back and then started doing it more as a practice like I would do it every week for the hairpin for a while and then would do it every week for my own site and now I do it every week for my newsletter um so I, don't, I can't really tell you, like, where it came from. It was kind of a whim, and then I stuck with it. Um, I think that's the shortest answer. Okay, yeah. I, I think my personal favorite was, I think, the one that you said that you had about things that you do while you're on a plane. And I was like, oh, my God, completely relate. <laughs> Crying in a Pixar movie. We've all done it. <laughs> <laughs> completely relate. It was amazing. Um, so you've obviously written a ton of articles for a bunch of different publications. So what has been your favorite that you have written as of late, so recently, that you can think of? I don't really have, again, it's it's sort of like your, your rapper, favorite rapper question, right. which is like, you know, like my favorite article that's done what? I mean, mo my favorite thing in the world is when people respond to articles that I've written and say, hey, I like, I have experienced this too, but I didn't have the words for it, or I didn't realize other people experienced it in this way, or you've really um, distilled something that like I hadn't even noticed was happening, but is totally happening in my life. And so a couple of weeks ago, I wrote an article about women who are sort of not entry level, like sort of assistant level, but who are in more powerful positions in the workplace, who find themselves constantly like saying no or kind of like like momming their male coworkers, not because they want to, but because they're like, well, someone has to do the like, you know, boring part of the project management, like not the cool ideas part. And um, and just like, you know, that being a type of workplace um, labor that women get shunted into even when they have higher higher power positions um, was something that I had certainly felt in the workplace before. And I had made a note to write about it in 2011 or something like ages ago. Um, but it was, it, it felt newly relevant. There was like a few, I, I tied it to a few things happening in pop culture. And so that was one that I really liked. It was like, I felt like it made sense that week, but it's also the kind of column that I think, um, you know, like a woman might find that in another five or 10 months or years even and say, oh yeah, like this is a thing I've experienced. Thanks for putting it into words. So those are always really, those are like the things that I'm proudest to have done usually. Awesome. Okay. I'd love to uh, get a link to that so I could read up on that. That would be amazing. Yeah. If you just Google my name, there's like, an, and the cut, there's like a page that has all my columns on it and it should be like two or three down the list. It should be, it's pretty recent. Okay. 
Perfect. I'll, I'll look that up. Um, so you and Aminatu run this pretty, and I'm going to quote here, rad, because that's what you guys <laughs> always say, uh, podcast. So I'm curious, how did you guys meet and what got you guys started um, in podcasting? Um, well, we were friends long before we were business partners, as it were, which is like really where we are now in the podcast. But um, we met in Washington, D.C. in 2008, I believe, which is where we both lived at the time, um, at a Gossip Girl viewing party. <laughs> um, shout out to our friend Dio, who was hosting that party. Um, and we just like became friends immediately. We were really close friends in DC and stayed friends long distance after I moved away. And then Amina eventually moved away as well. Um, and yeah, we started the podcast in 2014. Our friend Gina, who is our producer and editor has a lot of radio experience and she had kind of mentioned it a few times that she thought, Amina and I would be good podcast hosts and finally we we just like she she wore us down and we took her up on it and um you know it took some convincing on her part that it wasn't going to be that technically difficult and so I, I, we definitely wouldn't have done it without her um but yeah and then the, the conceit is really simple we just call each other and we talk about you know stuff that's in the news and pop culture and the kinds of things that we're interested in do you guys both live on the West Coast now, but just in different cities, or do you live in the same cities? Yeah. No, she lives in San Francisco, and I live in L.A., so we are still long distance. Oh, I see. Aw. That's awesome. That's so cute. I know, but we, you know, we really do see it. We see, we see a lot of each other these days, which is great. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm sure it helps things a lot. For sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so what keeps you motivated in your craft? And I guess craft is a pretty vague way of putting it because you do have your fingers in very many pots, but, um, what keeps you motivated in the things that you feel is worth putting your time and effort into doing? I don't, that's a good question. I think like motivation has never been a problem for me. Like the problem is, figuring out which things I want to devote more time to and then saying no to things that I want to do less. Like I tend to be one of those people that just like, you know, if, if we use like the buffet metaphor, I just keep piling it on. I'm like, I want to eat that and that and that and that. And it's like, you actually can't fit all of that in your stomach or like in this metaphor in your working day. Um, so motivation is not like, I don't know. I think I'm motivated by curiosity. I'm motivated by like my, politics even the stuff I do that's fun like our podcast I think it's pretty there's a lot of things about it that are politically important like I think um you know we talk about like sexism and racism and we I think we have like a pretty sophisticated view of what are the things women like us care about and I don't see that represented everywhere for sure um so I don't know there's like a part of it that's like also my political beliefs and there's like I don't know like there there are a lot of things that motivate me and sometimes I wish I were better at recognizing that just because I'm really interested in something doesn't mean I have to like do it <laughs> for work or otherwise like I could just be interested in it I don't have to like you know I can just doodle I don't have to doodle a pie chart every week or okay. something <laughs> so it's almost the opposite problem for sure Okay, that's a really like uh, that's a very grandiose answer. I love it. <laughs> so well rounded. <laughs> um, so you've had like a you do your phone a friend um episodes um every so often. Um, so what guest or what friend would you love to have on your podcast or not friend, just guest, just someone that you don't really know but 
seem to admire from afar, um, would you love to have on your podcast that you haven't already had on it? Um, oh my God, so many people, just like, just tons of people. So we have a long running desire to have Valerie Jarrett on the podcast. I'm like so interested in people who have like, who have worked in unique ways in such close proximity to power, but like the fact that she's, you know, no longer doing that kind of, the kind of work that she was at the beginning of the Obama administration means maybe she would be freer to like real talk with us (laughs) about that. Um, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh my God, dream guest. We are obsessed with her. You guys are so obsessed. <laughs> totally with her. nerdy for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I mean, like what? Like Beyonce? I don't know. Let's dream big, right? Yeah, shoot high, shoot high. If you uh, if you fail, you at least uh, you land among the clouds. So <laughs> totally, I'm gonna go with the Kim Beyonce Hillary Clinton super trio episode where we interview all three together. That's like the dream. <laughs> that's a lot to like stomach in one episode. Like that's a lot to, to like handle. I don't know if can I'm you ready. imagine though? It's like we could like get them talking to each other. Like what? It would be incredible. <laughs> that's trending status for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, what does a what does a busy day look like for you versus a relaxed day look like for you? Um, good question. Today was kind of a relaxed day, which means that I woke up at like eight thirty instead of like six thirty or seven, and I walked to the coffee shop. It's a really beautiful day here in Los Angeles, and answered some email and. Um, you know, like did a bunch of, you know, that how you kind of have that like small work that builds up like the admin type work. I did a lot of that, yeah. made a nice lunch. And then I spent the afternoon revising a draft of a feature article. Um, I would say that's a pretty low key day. Like after what I'm talking, it's, it's my day is pretty much over, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. A really busy day is like, I, I have, you know, my, let's say I'm working on my weekly column for New York magazine and like I'm going back and forth with my editor for that. Meanwhile, I'm scheduling interviews for another feature I'm doing and there's a bunch of podcast business I have to attend to. And I have like a few, like, you know, some emails that I have to get back to. And, um, you know, there are days where it feels like all these little things that I do kind of like all are demanding of my time in some way. And then I have other days like today that feel a little bit more like, okay, like, you know, I had some time in the morning and then I'm doing one thing in the afternoon and that feels more like leisurely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. That, that does sound super busy, but I mean, you're, you, you strike me as the superwoman type. So it doesn't really seem like something that seems super difficult for you. So I mean, it does, if it adds up though, like if I have like, like, you know, one busy day is totally doable, but if I have like three in a row and I've just been hunched over my computer for hours, like my body will let me know I've like not, I'm not doing okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like physically I'll be like, Oh, I don't feel well. I've just been like staring at a screen for hours and hours. So yeah, you're right. Like I definitely like one of those days I can totally superwoman it, but like they, they can't add up too fast. Yeah. In those cases though, where you do have like three busy days in a row, what sort of self-care strategies do you find yourself gravitating towards just to sort of bring you back to center? Um, I try to take a walk. I try, I mean, I work from home as a freelancer and I have a little like alarm that goes off on my phone. 
Um, and so I try to like, at least I live near a really nice park and I try to at least take a short walk in the park if I, if I can. And, and then other than that, I don't know. I mean, I, I try sometimes to schedule lunches with like friends that are not, it's not like a work thing, but like, you know, break up my day with something that feels social, which is, you know, there are a lot of downsides to being a freelancer, but I try to also take advantage of some of the flexibility as well. I don't know. I have like a meditation app that I like and sometimes taking a little five minute break and like lying on my back on the floor and just like taking like 10 deep breaths is, <laughs> is, is shockingly restorative. So I don't know. It kind of depends on the day and like the mood, what I end up doing. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So if you could pick like three brands that you feel at this particular moment represent you. So this could be like a car brand or food or luxury or fashion or like anything really. Like for example, I would say one of the brands that represent me at this particular moment is Chipotle, just because. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Just You're like, a complete meal wrapped in tinfoil. Basically, <laughs> right, exactly. Like, set, like satiation wrapped in, like, one little, like, burrito. It's amazing. So, quickly, three brands that you feel, you know, are you right now. Oh, my God. This is actually really hard. <laughs> um, I'm really obsessed with It's It's, which is this, like, ice cream sandwich from Northern California. My friend just visited the factory and brought me like a t-shirt like an it's it t-shirt there's something about the it's it it's like very classic like it's a very classic ice cream treat but it's also like it's like two oatmeal cookies with like vanilla ice cream in the middle and it's covered in dark chocolate and i'm just like it's all my favorite things like in one weird package um and yet it feels timeless like that's something i aspire to i aspire to it's it status okay. <laughs> also the name is crazy i love it it's cute it's super um, cute. <laughs> yeah for sure I, what else? That's a good question. I, um, I have, like, I got as a Christmas gift, someone gave me a thing of, um, Aesop hand cream, like the super expensive, oh my really gosh, good so smelling expensive. hand cream oh my that I have been super into as like a two second treat yourself in the middle of the day where I'm like, oh yeah, like having like one basic beauty item that's actually very luxurious is great. So there's something about that that I like too, where it's like, Oh yeah, just like a little luxurious thing in my bag. Again, like a little, like maybe not that cool. I don't know, luxury hand cream. Am I luxury hand cream? I don't know. <laughs> it's hard. Um, I don't. And what is a third brand? I don't know. What brand am I? Um, I'm thinking. It's difficult. I know. Like you. Like it's almost like you would probably be the cover girl for this brand. Like if they asked you to promote it, it would be. It'd be nothing to you because you love the shit anyway. So it's it's a whatever sort of situation. Here, here is another nerdy one. Okay, this is the answer to it. Are you familiar with Bagu? Like the little like reusable like 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 shopping bags. They're no, very I'm not. Cute. I'm not actually. <laughs> they come in like lots of different patterns. A friend also gave me one as a gift. It was like a little like birthday gift, but they're great. You like, you can always, I don't know, in some ways it's like dorky, like eco-friendly. You never have to take a plastic bag. I'm being so California right now, <laughs> but they come in like the best prints. And, and as like, they're kind of, they're still like a pretty small brand. They also have like a leather line that I really like that are, that are really well made. So like, I would totally, if they were like, we want you to be like the poster girl for our very cute, very sturdy, reusable bags that you can like tuck in your cute little purse, but then always have at the ready. I'd be like, I'm there. I'm so there. Yeah. <laughs> what can I do for you? Yeah. I'd love to transport my snacks in a bagu. <laughs> That's amazing. Never apologize for anything that like aesthetically pleases you and is amazing for the environment as well. Never apologize. <laughs> I know such good patterns. They did this one that was like kind of like a Japanese cloud pattern recently. And I was like, yes. 
mine <laughs> 10. I love you. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, while, like, listening to the podcast, I can't really tell, like, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Like, which would you, where would you categorize yourself between the two? Um, I think I'm an extrovert. I think I, um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, on the podcast, uh, we, not that we're impersonal, but we don't talk a ton about our personal lives. So maybe that's why you got that impression. But, um, but yeah, like I get a lot of energy from being with people. And like I said about like, you know, um, there, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm going to take five minutes to like lie down in the middle of the day, but it can be just as energizing for me to go like have lunch with a friend and have like a really inspiring conversation. Um, and usually I get good ideas from being around people as opposed to like being kind of like quietly by myself and thinking about things like people tend to inspire the best in me. So I don't know. I think that that means I'm an extrovert, even though like every human, I need some downtime. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. Um, I've always been curious about your call to feminism, if I can even call it that. Um, So could you probably succinctly kind of tell us a little bit about that? Because I kind of view you as like someone who sort of made me kind of see certain things that I never really saw before. So I'm just really curious about how you saw certain things that you never really saw before. Oh, thank you. I am. So when I was in college, I studied, I studied journalism and I thought for, at the time I thought I was going to be a newspaper reporter, which basically means like you don't have political beliefs about anything, right? Like you're supposed to be this blank, this blank slate with no political opinions. Um, And so I didn't really, I mean, maybe I was sort of personally, like now I would say I was totally a feminist even then. I just, but I definitely didn't use the label. And then um, I actually, I also, when I was in college had a little like, side business making clothes for like a local boutique nice. <laughs> but this is a real deep cut <laughs> and um some women i know asked me to design clothes for this pro-choice fundraising fashion show that they were doing and so i sort of got involved in it like from an apolitical angle and once i started spending some time around these women who most of whom called themselves feminists and who were fundraising um I was like, oh, like, you guys are all incredible, and the things you care about are things that I care about, and why wouldn't I use that word? And shout out to a woman named Beth Pickens, who is, um, you know, when you're at a certain, especially when you're younger, sometimes you meet a woman who's, like, just a few years older than you, who embodies all of these characteristics that you really want to find within yourself. Like she was that person for me and she was like a very vocal feminist. And I think it's no coincidence that like after I met her, I started calling myself a feminist. Okay. That's that's amazing. Um, Okay. So kind of off of the heels of that, what do you think your greatest accomplishment as far as your career goes is? Oh man, I I really feel like, and I, I know this is sort of similar to my answer to your other question, but I feel really accomplished when like a woman either writes me about an article I've written or writes me um, and Aminatu about the podcast and says like, Hey, you have really expressed something that feels true to me that I haven't heard expressed elsewhere or that, you know, you said in a new way. And like, I think that there's that aspect of like, I just feel a huge sense of accomplishment when I'm like, Oh, I'm helping particularly other women, but not exclusively like, um, you know, give voice to the, the experiences that they have that have been maybe not, maybe not given a lot of credence by the media in the past, or maybe that they haven't heard phrased in that exact way. Um, so yeah, that's like, that's hugely, I, I will brag on that all day. Every time that happens, I love it. 
I was actually, okay, one of the episodes that you had, you were talking about how one of your friends had like a marijuana infused face mask or something yes it's true I had it I I put it on my face I tried it (laughs) um so I I'm curious like have you when was the first time that you ever smoked marijuana and um could you tell me a bit about like how you got into it and what like that experience was like because everybody's experience is a little bit different I know mine was very special so (laughs) (laughs) I mean well you have to under it was when I was a teenager and you have to understand that like I'm from Iowa like Iowa in the like late 90s was not like a mecca of fantastic weed the way that like California is today for example (laughs) Um, very different but um I don't know I mean I I actually um I, I actually just remember it being like kind of like it was like a fun bonding experience with like me and essentially like high school girlfriends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't like it was it wasn't it was easier to get than like alcohol was. So I think that in some ways that was why I ended up being like high school stoner and not like a high school drinker. Yeah. Um, but it was also like a it's not it's not like a party drug. There's something I like about it. Like that's it's it's like a weird creative like have a totally random conversation drug um so I don't know I've always appreciated that about it it's like it's like how you relax or get weird or like go deep with friends it's not like how you go and rage all night um and I think maybe there's something about my personality that I'm like oh yeah like a drug that mellows me out is probably better for me than something that amps me up like I don't really uppers (laughs) of all kinds have never been my my jam yeah so I don't know if that answers your question oh it absolutely does you're 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 a downer chick I'm here for it I'm totally here (laughs) (laughs) I mean yeah whiskey and weed like all of the above (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome um do you 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 mentioned you and I'm not you don't really talk about your personal lives a lot on the podcast which got me curious do you have like a a bay in your life I hate that I'm using that term but it is what it is don't judge me. I do I do have a bay in my life but it's weird you know it's like I I do um you know Amina and I will talk about ourselves but like I definitely am a little protective especially as the podcast gets bigger of being like who are the people in my life like we talk about our friends who have like written books or who are doing things kind of, or, you know, our friend who's a musician, we, we interviewed her on the podcast, like friends who are kind of like wanting to gain a bigger audience for what they do. But I always feel a little bit weird about, um, people who like, I don't want to like unwillingly sign anyone up into being a like known person, if that makes sense. Like I sort of, and there's also a part of me that's like, um, I think things like start to get weird if, there's like too much personal and professional like crossover. Um, and so while I'm definitely not like, I'm not like, you know, unwilling to tell you that like, <laughs> that like I'm in a relationship with someone, it doesn't make me, it, it, I, I, I sort of, um, I try to draw like a little line about how much I share about my personal life, like friends, family, relationships, all of it. Oh, for sure. You have to like respect other people's an- anonymity. Right, right. Like they didn't sign up for me telling everyone about whatever, you know. For sure. Okay. What makes you happy? Like in general, like first thing that comes to mind, what makes you happy? Oh my god. That's such a great question. I um one thing that makes me really happy is introducing my friends who have never met each other to each other. Um, especially if it's like people who I'm just like, oh, like you have to meet so and so. Like being able to follow through on that and like you know, especially if they actually like each other. That's something I really love doing. Um, and and then just, like, being around while those people, like, 
you know, whatever, make each other laugh or like connect. Um, I really, I really, really like that. It's something that's like superficially easy to do on the internet, but is like surprisingly rare in real life. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) It does though. It makes me so happy. (laughs) Okay. So what's next for you as a journalist, a podcast co-host and an all around badass? Oh my God. Um, well, we just started doing live events for the podcast. So that's like a brand new thing that we are still figuring out exactly what that is and what it is like. (laughs) Um, that's kind of exciting. That's like a new, I've done like speaking and stuff, but it's different than like putting together an event. Um, so that's like fun. And that's like a brand new, that's a brand new challenge. Um, I don't know. And for me personally, like on the writing front, I don't know. I would, I would like to write a book in the not too distant future, Mm -hmm. but I don't have like the dream idea. So I'm like, I'm, I'm content to kind of sit on that for a little bit, but it's something that in, I would not like another five or 10 years of my career to go by without trying to do something that's like, like a big writing project. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Um, what advice would you give to other aspiring journalists, podcasters, or other people trying to hone in on their craft from the ground up the way that you did? I don't know. I think that um, the best advice that I can give is, like, you're not a podcaster if you don't podcast. Like, if you're only talking about making a podcast, you're not a podcaster. If you're talking about wanting to write, you're not a writer. You actually have to write. Um, There's a really great – Cheryl Strayed used to write this advice column called Dear Sugar – um, at the rumpus and she, she wrote a column like, or an advice column, um, advice to a frustrated young writer who was sort of like, Oh, how can I ever even begin? Everything great has already been written. And she, um, rather than reassure her, she was just like, well, it sounds like you're not really writing. So what are you complaining about? Like <laughs> sit down and write and do the work. Yeah. And like, that's all you can do. Um, and so I take a lot of comfort in that sometimes where I'm like, well, even if I didn't love what I made this week, at least I'm writing. And I would sort of would give that same advice. Like when Amina and I started the podcast, we did not have with the listeners we have now. I mean, we, for the first year, at least we definitely didn't. And yet we still did it like week in and week out. And so there is something about like doing the work, um, even if people aren't paying attention yet, that I think is really powerful. For sure. Absolutely. Um, when next, so fucking posh, aka me, <laughs> gets to your seat, uh-huh. which is LA, you said, um, do we have an, do I have an invite to come hang out with you? Just chill, just kick it, just enjoy that beautiful LA sun. Obviously, we'll come, you come, we'll take a walk in the park by my house. You can see how I like decompress after too many hours at the computer. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Um, where can all of our readers and people listening to the podcast find you on all your social media accounts? Pretty much everything I do is at AnnFriedman.com. You can find the podcast stuff at CallYourGirlfriend.com. And I would say the social media I use most often is Twitter, where I'm just at Ann Friedman. It's real simple. Thank you so much, Anne. I really, really appreciate it. I want to, like, respect your time. And I know you're a busy-ass <laughs> person, so I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks for the rapid fire. You totally got it all in. Yeah, I tried. I did my best, right? I, I really think you... I, I hit the nail on the head there. Totally. If we ran over, it was my own fault. So good job. <laughs> That's a wrap for this particular episode. If you guys have any questions, comments, or you just want to discuss anything that you've heard on any of the episodes of the podcast, 
let me know. You can find me on S-O-F-X-P-O-S-H everywhere on the internet. So that's Twitter, that is Instagram, that is Tumblr, that's Pinterest, anywhere. I'll be looking forward to talking to you guys. Bye.